Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Denver's the toughest pick for me. They've got a million needs on defense. In free agency, they went and got Kyle Fuller a corner. They could go get another corner. But I'm going to guess here that they're going to go with Micah Parsons, who is easily the best linebacker, super fast, best Big Ten linebacker, best linebacker in America. They're a bad defensive team, and they have a defensive coordinator running the organization. And last year, they went big into receivers and big into offense, and all they've done is care about offense. And Vic Fangio's like, I got a couple of pass rushers and nobody else. All right, Colin. Oh, my goodness. You you can't get them all, Colin. So I got to be honest, John. I I first saw that take by Colin Cowherd on his podcast. Uh, I think it was like I was just waking up. It was early in the morning. I want to say Saturday morning, and and I was honestly offended. I was like, no. The Broncos have a good defense. What are you talking? You know, I just woken up. I'm like rubbing my eyes. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I was all upset. The gist of this, John, is that Denver Sports Radio and Broncos Twitter had some fun with this take by Colin Cowherd because it's just patently false. Like the Broncos have a very good defense and that's the strength of the team. And like I said, I was a little offended because I was over there saying uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying how Vic Fangio should be fired if the Broncos don't have a top five defense based on their personnel. And Cowherd thinks they suck. So uh, this one, I don't know. This one is just patently false. We're saying they have a million needs on defense. That's not true. Like they do need a cover linebacker and I'd be fine with Parsons. You could argue if he is the best linebacker or not, but whatever, I'd be okay with Parsons. So I'm okay with the Parsons pick, but to say they have a million needs, that's just wrong. And to say they have a bad defense, that's just wrong too. I think he probably... He probably was like, okay, I remember they cut A.J. Boye. I remember they cut Jural Casey. So they didn't replace those guys. And then he mentioned Kyle Fuller, but he didn't mention Ronald Darby. So he apparently didn't uh, – he at least didn't mention they signed two corners in free agency. So, and, and he probably saw they didn't pick up Kareem Jackson's contract option. He may have not noticed they brought him back cheaper. So in his mind, maybe like corners, elite, knee, defensive line, linebacker, safety, but like it's really not like really they could use a cover linebacker, but they don't even have to have an inside linebacker like Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. They started last year. They could start again this year. It'd be nice to upgrade them, but they don't have to. So yeah, I, I'm beating a dead horse. Cause like you said, <laughs> Twitter went into him. Sports talk radio went into him and it was deserved. That was just a poor take from him. Has he answered for it, John? I haven't seen him answer for it, right? He hasn't got, come after Broncos Twitter and tried to defend himself. He just kind of let the, try to let this news cycle die. Yeah, that I've noticed. Yeah. I don't think he clarified it. I, I, I think in part he likes to be sensational and have like big, bold statements. So you can't just say the Broncos need a cover linebacker. Micah Parsons is really good. You got to say the Broncos defense is bad. Micah Parsons <laughs> fixes that. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I, I think that's right. We're talking about Colin Cowherd as we speak. Um, just and again, not to beat the dead horse. I don't want to spend the whole t- show talking about this, but I also don't agree really with the Micah Parsons pick. I think, like you said, it's not their biggest need. And while yeah, a great coverage linebacker, an inside linebacker would be nice. I think those are those are guys you pick in the top ten. You know, linebacker, you kind of wait for that position. It's kind of like running back almost nowadays, where you can wait until later in the first round, early on this in the second round to start 
seeing these linebackers falling off the board. I don't like Micah Parsons at number nine. There's going to be way better talent there. Uh, yeah, I think you're on to something. I think someone like him and the Notre Dame linebacker, and uh, he's slipping his name's slipping my mind, but there's another cover linebacker that's pretty good. I have a feeling all three of them could slip into the middle or even at least one or two of them slip to the end of the first round. And then the Broncos, they could trade down if they really wanted a linebacker. They could trade down, get more picks, and still end up with, I feel like, one of the top three inside linebackers in the draft. So I, I get where you're coming from. Like You don't necessarily have to take one at nine. Bingo. Trade back for Micah Parsons? Yes. I, I'm, I'm in for that. Pick Micah Parsons at number nine overall? Oh, I hate that pick. So again, just just there's a lot I didn't like about Colin Cowherd's take there. Just not a good way to wake up on Saturday morning. Uh, we're reacting kind of in real time to some news, John, that's just breaking. It's the uh, Sam Darnold trade to Carolina. So Sam Darnold is no longer with the Jets. The, uh, the Panthers sending over a few picks. The biggest pick was a second rounder in 2022. They also gave up a six round pick this year. I think it was three picks total, but nothing too crazy there. And uh, this is interesting. It's one less team now in the top 10 that's going to pick a quarterback. And there is definitely some buzz. I think you called it a growing expectation that the Broncos might trade up for a quarterback. And now, John, one of the teams in front of them we now know probably is not going to be drafting a quarterback because they just traded a bunch of picks for Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think it comes into play a couple way for the Broncos just right off the bat. uh, A report emerged last week that the Broncos weren't interested in trading for him because they didn't want to give up assets for somebody that they feel didn't feel like was a drastic improvement over Drew Locke. And I think that was completely the right decision, because as you mentioned, uh, the Panthers gave up, they gave up a second round pick, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. And if, say, the Broncos entered that bidding war, maybe that goes up to like a second, a third and a fourth or whatever. Like, we don't know. It's hypothetical because it didn't. But I'm just saying they would have to at least match the Panthers offer to get Sam Darnold. And like you could make an argument that uh, Darnold might be better than Drew Locke right now, but you cannot say he's drastically better. So I'd rather I'm with you, by the way, I don't. Uh, Sam Darnold and Drew Locke competition. That's not what I'm here for. Uh, I'm with you 100. Yeah. percent I don't need. Sam yeah. Darnold. So you keep those picks, and if you want, you could trade them for a better quarterback, or you can just use them to fill other needs on the roster. So I like that they didn't go after him. And then uh, another domino from this. It, it was already assumed, but like there were some people that were like, well, maybe they'll just stick with Sam Darnold. But this just shows now that the Jets. They're definitely taking a quarterback at number two, and I have a feeling it will be Zach Wilson. And then presumably this means Teddy Bridgewater will become available. I think yes. the, the Panthers will probably want to trade him, but because he's not on like a cheap rookie contract and because he didn't have a great season and because teams know the Panthers, they've got other quarterback options, so eventually they may just cut Bridgewater if they don't try to find a trade partner. I have a feeling that Bridgewater may end up getting cut if nobody makes a move for him. And for the Broncos, it's similar to Sam Darnold. Like, I don't think they're going to want to trade assets for someone that's not a drastic improvement over Locke. Like, maybe, maybe Bridgewater is better than Locke, but he's certainly not drastically better. So I don't want to give up picks for someone on a contract like him. But if it comes down to him being cut and available, then I definitely pursue him and sign him as a free agent and bring in some competition. I'd be fine with that. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Does anybody make a move for Bridgewater? Do they end up cutting him? And if they do cut him, it may happen later in the offseason. 
And then another way this might impact the Broncos is the Panthers. They were said to be really in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And that's kind of on hold now Mm -hmm. because of what's going on. So, uh, but if Watson is eventually cleared and the Texans put him on the trade block, which I feel like if he is cleared, I really do think the Texans are trading him. The Panthers are now probably one less team. The Broncos would have to compete for in a potential Watson trade. And then again, like, that's all tentative. We'll see if he gets cleared or not. And then finally, like you mentioned, this shows to me that the Panthers, they're picking at number eight and the Broncos are number nine right behind them. To me, I think this is a sign that the Panthers saw it. Okay. None of these top quarterbacks are falling to us at number eight. So we're going to go get someone else. And then obviously if, if one of the top QBs is not at eight, none of them are going to be at nine either. So we talked about this last week on the pod. I think if the Broncos are gunning for one of the top QBs in the draft, they're going to have to trade up for one. If we go through it, so now we know the top three picks will be quarterbacks, right? Jaguars, Jets for sure now, obviously the 49ers. The Falcons are a wild card. I'm hearing that they might be in love with Kyle Pitts now. And the Matt Ryan thing, they might want to string that out one more year. So they're kind of a wild card. We know the Panthers aren't picking a quarterback now. We know the Dolphins aren't picking a quarterback. So I guess whether they could stand pat and hope one of these guys fall to them, or if they do try to move up a spot or two, John, who would you do it for? First of all, also, I'm not totally sure the Dolphins may not go QB and move on from Tua. I'm not sure how they feel about that. You never know. So you never know how that's going to go either. But uh, back to your question about the QB options, like you said, Lawrence, he's going number one. I assume Zach Wilson is going number two. So those guys are out. And then the 49ers at three, supposedly like there's some real interest in Mac Jones. So that could put Mac Jones off the board at number three. And then like Trey Lance, I really like Trey Lance and he's an exciting prospect, but I've said this before to me, he's going to need some time in the NFL and it'd be ideal for him to kind of be behind a veteran and get a year or two. And like in today's NFL, that doesn't happen a lot. So no matter where he goes, that may not happen, but I just think that would be ideal. And I think he's a project quarterback and in my opinion, the Broncos already have a project quarterback in Drew Locke. So if they're going to give a quarterback time, I feel like they would give Locke time. But I, I could be wrong on that because if Trey Lance is George Payton's guy, he's going to go get him. And then Drew Locke will probably be traded and his development time doesn't matter because they're going forward with him. So I could be wrong. I, I don't know how Payton feels about it. But just from my perspective, looking at the Broncos, I'm like, if you're giving a QB time, I feel like they will give lock time. So that rules out those four guys if Jones goes at number three. So then that leaves, in my mind, Justin Fields if they trade up for a quarterback. And it's possible Fields might go number three to the 49ers. And if that happens, I really hope they don't trade up for Mac Jones. <laughs> just because I've talked about before. He you've been saying that all, Yeah, you've been saying that for a month. He doesn't excite me. He might be a fine quarterback, but I'm not interested in training for him, especially because if he doesn't go at three to the 49ers, I think he has the best chance to fall to the Broncos at nine. And if they take him at nine and, and like he's the guy that they really wanted, then I'd be like, okay, he's the guy they wanted, whatever. But if they move up for him, I would be like, ah, do you really move up for a guy like Mac Jones? So in my mind, it's all coming down. If they do trade up for a quarterback, I think Justin Fields is definitely the guy to watch. I love it. Coming up next, some thoughts on the Broncos' schedule next season. We'll be right back. All right, John. So last week we learned that the NFL was officially increasing the regular season to 17 games. And this extra week has brought forth some really fun matchups. The Patriots are going to play the Cowboys. 
That one's kind of fun. I think the Chiefs are going to be playing the Packers. So we got some really good marquee matchups, including the Broncos at home against the Lions. Oh, come on, man. I was all excited to see what this extra game will be, and it's going to be – at least it's home. That's a good news. Yeah. But the Lions, yeah. come on, man. Well, yeah, the Lions, they finished in the same place in their division as the Broncos there finished in the AFC West last. So that's who they're going to be playing. And this year, uh, because it's an unbalanced schedule now, the AFC is going to get the home game this year in the regular season. And then the AFC loses a home preseason game. And then next year it'll switch. Uh, NFC teams, they will only have one home preseason game and they will get to host the extra regular season game. But anyway, back to the Broncos, their extra home regular season game is going to be against the Lions and because the Lions were so bad last year, kind of similar to the Broncos, that helps the Broncos' strength of schedule. Now their strength of schedule is tied for the fifth easiest in the NFL. And, like, you can only take that for what it's worth because it's only on paper and it's going into the season, blah, blah, blah. But last year, I think they had, like, the second hardest strength of schedule in the NFL. And it really does make a difference because, if I'm not mistaken, last year – the five teams with the easiest strength of schedule, four of them made the playoffs. So like this doesn't guarantee the Broncos are making the playoffs. I'm not saying that, but especially like compared to last season and really the last couple of years, the Broncos strength of schedule is a lot easier this year than it has been recently. So that's really nice. And then as you mentioned, because they got this extra regular season game or they say they're spinning it as they got an extra regular season game, season ticket prices went up by 6%. And, like, I'm not even a season ticket holder, but I want to kind of go to bat for them because I think this is ridiculous. Because NFL teams, they sell to season ticket holders, they sell the preseason games and the regular season games at the same price. And that implies that they have the same value. And, of of course, everybody knows they don't have the same value, but NFL teams act like they do. And because the Broncos lost a home preseason game – They have the same amount of home games this season. They have 10 home games this season, just like they had 10 home games last season. But because one of them is a regular season game now, ticket prices are going up 6%. And that just, it's a sign of them admitting that the regular season game is obviously worth more than the preseason game. (laughs) And, And yeah, like it's obvious. Everybody knows that. But like the NFL acts like that's not the case. And it's like, okay, well, if preseason is worth the same as regular season, why are you changing the prices now? So that's just kind of annoying for fans. Like if they said last year, COVID hurt revenue and we want to get some of that back this year, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But to use the extra game as justification, that's just annoying to me, especially because not every team is increasing their prices. Like the Las Vegas Raiders, they're the Broncos division rival. They just moved to Las Vegas and they have a brand new, awesome, beautiful stadium. And they're going to have fans for the first time in the stadium this fall. And they didn't raise uh, the prices. So like, if like it would still be kind of annoying if they were like because of covid we're raising our prices or because we want to make more money we're raising our prices but i'd be like okay whatever you just want to make more money but for them to use this as a justification to me it's just kind of silly and then just another uh aspect of the schedule the nfl they expect to have full capacity in stadiums this fall and there's a long way to go so we'll see if that actually happens or not But that's encouraging because last year the Broncos, they had four games with limited attendance. Half their home games had no attendance. So if they can get full attendance this year, that would be awesome. Even if they can just get more than last year, that would be great to see a bunch of fans back in the stands. And then the NFL is also planning to play in London this fall. Last week, 
the Falcons already announced that they're going to be playing in London this year, provided that uh, COVID and everything allows for it. But the Broncos, they were supposed to play the Falcons in London last year, but the game got moved to Atlanta because of COVID. And they obviously can't do that. They can't do that this year because the Falcons aren't among their opponents. But when you look at the Broncos opponents and the Broncos, they're wanting to play in London, the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of stand out because the Jags, they're a road team for the Broncos. And before COVID last year, they had gone like multiple years in a row of playing as a home team in London. So if the Jaguars are willing to be a home team again, and if the Broncos are wanting to be a road team, you just kind of connect the dots and you say, okay, maybe the Broncos and Jaguars will be a London game. So that's something to watch. I have a feeling they'll probably announce that in the next couple of weeks and the full schedule will be coming out in May. I think probably like mid May time. John, we, we've talked about last year that you were thinking about or you were hoping to be um, out there covering it in London, in the flesh, right? Is that in the cards for you still? I'm hoping to. Like, right. if if the game is played in London and if we're, like, allowed to travel, like, the vaccine and whatnot, I'm, I'm hoping to. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we can have a uh, Broncos Wire podcast live from London. That'd be cool. <laughs> that, that would be cool. Test out your... Uh, your accent while you're out there. Um, all right, so let's leave it here, John. Last week you talked about how, all right, let's not just track everywhere George Payton goes and link, you know, and try to figure out what they're going to do with every prospect. That game doesn't always work. But you can read into the positions, and I agree with you. I, I like seeing the positions that they're scouting. Sometimes you can actually find some useful information there. When you look at that, what positions do you feel like the Broncos are targeting and what that could mean for what they're thinking here early in the draft? Yeah, so he went to Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. He went to all their pro days, and he sent their top scout to Mac Jones pro day. And like you just said, we can't say, okay, he's absolutely going after Justin Fields just because of that. But when they're looking at all the top quarterbacks outside of the presumed number one overall pick, I think it's pretty safe to say, okay, they're definitely at least making it seem like they're interested in QB. So I think it's it's fair to have QB on their draft board. And then they sent their running backs coach to North Carolina's pro day. And they have two of the top running backs in the draft, including Williams. Some people have him as the number one overall running back in the draft. And, and we've talked about this before, like uh, Philip Lindsay's gone, Melvin Gordon's uh, free agent next year. So you just kind of connect the dots like running back is obviously on the draft board. Definitely. And then uh, he went to Penn state's pro day. He went to Notre Dame's pro day. Both of those schools have very good uh, cover linebackers, as Colin Coward noted. And so I think I think <laughs> linebacker is loves them. Linebacker, I think, is definitely on their board. It maybe not at nine, like we said, but I think they're going to be targeting one. And then cornerback, they went to uh, J.C. Horn's pro day, and then they've had virtual visits with Caleb Farley and Asante Samuel Jr. And they've probably had visits with even more corners that we just haven't heard about yet. So, and like corner, uh, it's a position that they don't have to target in the first round because they just signed two free agents, but it's still a possibility because uh, Caleb Farley and Bryce Callahan, they're, they're really good corners, but they're going to be 30 year old free agents next year. So they might start thinking about the future there. So corner is something you can't rule out even in the first round, but say they don't go in the first round. I still think at some point they want to add depth at corner. So just, Running down it again, there's probably other positions too, but just based on who they're looking at at pro days, I would say QB, running back, inside linebacker, and corner, it definitely seems like those will be priorities for them. Maybe not one, two, three, four in that order like that, but I think those are positions to watch as the draft gets closer. 
I'm not looking for a linebacker at number nine, but corner, you can get some value from a corner there in the top ten. Corner, uh, Getting a top corner, John, that would make some more sense. Uh, I'm starting to lean towards a trade back if they don't have the quarterback of their yeah, liking. You know, I'm starting to, that's that's how to I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah me That's too. how I'm feeling too. Like if they don't trade up for like a Justin Fields and unless like a Kyle Pitts or something like that surprisingly falls to nine, I and the thing is somebody's got to want to move up to nine. So there's no guarantee there would be interest. But if somebody does want to move up and you can get like an extra second round pick or extra third round pick, even an extra first round pick, and then still get somebody really good. I really like the idea of that. Like they did that a couple of years ago and they ended up with uh, Noah Fant and Dalton Reisner opposed to getting, uh, I think it was Devin Bush, the Steelers linebacker. It's a lot like Micah Parsons. Like everybody wanted the really good cover linebacker because they haven't had one for years. It is a need for them. But you say, okay, well, instead of Devin Bush, we can trade down. We can get a super good tight end, Noah Fant. We can get a super good guard in Dalton Reisner. Like, they didn't know exactly who they would end up with. But just, like, as an example, if you can move down, get more picks, and get multiple really good guys, I like the idea of that. There's John Heath from the Broncos Wire. We'll be back with more takes next week. Catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.